Okay, everybody, uh, welcome to episode of season one, episode eight of the Mind Hunter Companion. Uh, as always, my co host is Peter, and I am Doug. Welcome, Doug. Welcome. So here we are at episode eight, written by Andrew Douglas, story by Aaron Levy, and the teleplay is by Aaron Levy and Jennifer Haley. Um, so this is, you know, um, before we get into the nitty gritty, this is kind of like rocks and shoals, like stuff doesn't go too well for the Mind Hunter crew in this episode. Well, especially Holden. Yeah, Holden. This Holden has a rough time. This is probably Holden's roughest episode since the opening, opening episode, I guess. Well, just because they had a kind of a a success um, with uh, the guy in Altoona, um, right? You know, with uh, Benji, 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 and and Frank was it, or you know, their whole crew up there, and because they were able to kind of understand and predict it, doesn't mean that you can apply the same methods smoothly yet. Um, and he sort of has a, I don't know if it's a clean swing and a miss or it's a kind of a swing and a really bad foul ball that comes back and hits the catcher right in the, the crotch. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely not, it's not a, it's not even like a ground out to the shortstop. It's, it's definitely a mishap. I could never pull off a sports metaphor like that. Um, so uh, we begin with Holden after after a close up on some uh, on a piece of paper that shows some concerning words. We uh, show Holden meeting uh, what looks like an elementary school principal. These kids don't look like junior high schoolers. These look like elementary school kids. Yeah, it's element. They they show the school. It's an elementary school, and uh, he is getting ready to give a little Q and A sort of interactive session with a bunch of little kids, ostensibly to talk about and sort of explore the idea that maybe the signs of, of trouble are visible even in very, very young children. And, and the, the key point of the scene is that, is that Holden is being told by the principal to really, really, really be careful about every word he says for fear of sending the wrong message or this getting back to the parents and causing trouble. And he does a pretty good job of getting his point across while, while kind of keeping it pretty clean. And the principal, while he's doing this, the principal, the principal is sitting two feet away from him, watching him. Right. That's kind of his job. Yeah. No, no, no. Although I like the principal's advice to show them your badge, <laughs> like their shiny piece of metal. Yeah. He's like a hundred percent right with everything he said. I thought that the the most interesting part of the interaction with the kids is when this little girl raises her hand and and asks if are only boys disturbed, um, <laughs> and and he he says, well, actually, it is mostly males who are disturbed, and you know he elicits a laugh from the kids about it. But I thought it was interesting that you know that they're revealing this to little kids at this time. So that I thought was pretty good. But, you know, the, the episode starts off with him having a pretty good interaction with the principal and everything's pretty friendly. Right. Um, and and right again, after he, you know, he gives his talk to the kids and he's sort of thinking about trying to, he's asking the kids to look out for the things that they've learned are 
hallmarks or early indicators maybe of serial killers like torturing animals, being uh, unconcerned with, with uh, having no empathy, etc., which is a little bit on the futile side maybe, but you can understand where he's going in terms right. of trying to maybe put out feelers or maybe sort of start to to pass on the idea that some people are different and are are really abnormal in ways that you shouldn't necessarily just brush off. Right. And he, and he focuses a lot on the, the being mean to animals, sort of like, yeah. and the kids are not quite sure what he means. Like one of the kids says like, oh, my brother throws rocks at the dog. And he's like, well, there's mean and there's mean, right? The animal right. will tell you if it thinks you're being mean. Yeah, he, um, and then his idea is to quantify it by the or qualify it by the size of the rock. So yes, yeah, small, <laughs> small rocks or big rocks, which is pretty funny. And right. of course, the kid says medium rocks, <laughs> right? But it got me thinking. You know, big rock, small animal, right? That's a big deal. Yeah. No, no, um, I, I understand where he's going, but then of course, you know, the answer is pretty funny. The kid's medium size rocks. And then at the end of the meeting, the principal brags to him, which I thought was interesting. Like the principal brags about the standardized scores and then what he has done for the school. And then right. the principal totters off, happy that he's handled the meeting well and the kids got to see the badge. And then he is approached by the fourth grade teacher, Janet Ebner, who takes hold in the side and reveals to him something concerning about this same principle that we've just seen right right she says that he he likes to tickle kids feet in a way that makes people uncomfortable and he's giving them money for it he gives them he tickles their feet and gives them nickels right tickles for nickels i think bill calls it yeah, he's, um, he's not sure what to holden's not entirely sure what to do with that um, right and it does you know like you can see how like it's starting to push holden's button like an adult touching a child giving them maybe a bribe right to sort of like smooth over perhaps you know the awkwardness or the the unseemliness of the thing it's yeah, interesting I think, and you can I, see like holden and the teacher is really concerned miss ebner is worried like she takes him into the teacher's lounge by the way that was a little inaccurate no one was smoking in the teacher's lounge because they should have all been smoking uh, yeah. Well, but, Bill wasn't there. Right. But, um, you know, and Holden, Holden's, uh, he's not sure what to make of it because he says at one point, tickling is not considered deviant behavior, but the teacher is not really assuaged by all this. She persists. And I think what he responds to more than anything is that she conveys that it, it bothers her. Sort of, she conveys a, a gut feeling that something's not right. And I think he responds more to that than anything else. Well, and he, she turns it on Holden because he's kind of almost, he's not quite dismissive, but he's like, I don't know. It's kind of out of our you know, wheelhouse not, a bit. It's not federal. But then she says, if you had a kid, would you want the principal tickling your kid and giving them money? And then he's kind of yeah. like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um. And then uh, things start to go downhill for Holden, right? So we cut to he's sitting outside of Debbie's house, waiting for her in his in his FBI G man suit and tie, <laughs> and he's up with uh, a six pack. And Schlitz. He is, yeah, he always has the six pack. By the way, yeah, it's always Schlitz. 
<laughs> and and she is driven home by Patrick, who we have not heard of before, right? Although it's implied that she's talked about him before, or at least she she plays it off like she's talked about him before. And he like he is alarmed. Like his girlfriend got a ride home from some other young guy in a sports car, and it definitely pushes Holden's button in a bad way. Yeah, I, I mean the guy's sort of the opposite of Holden. You know, the guy's like he's not exactly a suit wearing G man. Yeah, and and sort of the explanation she gives when they get into her apartment or house, whatever it is, is it's kind of off. Like, like her car's in for maintenance. She doesn't do maintenance on her car. Like he's kind of suspicious that she's lying to him, and you know she kind of plays it off that she you know didn't put oil in her car and the engine seized and. And now it's getting fixed and they almost have a fight. Like she compares him to her father. Like my dad used to remind me to change my oil. And then like, just as it's about to be a fight, Debbie kind of diffuses the whole thing with some intimacy. And then he's kind of, you know, all is forgiven, right? He kind of like backs off because she kisses him and he puts his hand on her behind and, you know, she's manipulating him. Yeah. Right? But, she, you know, you can also see. doing something that she knows would have irritated him. And she's, you know, she's trying to wiggle out of it. You can also see, though, that it might have been totally innocent also at this point. You know, I mean, it's just, it made nothing. Right. But but who is Holden? He's a suspicious guy, right? Everything we've Correct. seen him since the minute of the show. He's suspicious of what people tell him, and he's he's used to looking for bad motives, and he usually finds them. <laughs> right? Yep. And then we 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 cut to a good scene that's it, I think it's implied that it's after they've had sex or something, where she's now in the tub. And he's yeah. at the sort of sink in the mirror. You know, it's like that scene in um Wink of an Eye. Uh, in Star Trek, where Adela, <laughs> Queen you of did Scala. it. I know. I worked one in where Dila, Queen of Scalos, and Kirk are talking, and then they cut back to Spock and Scotty, and they're trying to solve some problem. And the next scene, she's in, you know, Dila, Queen of Scalos, is brushing her hair in the mirror, and he's putting his boots on. You know, which as a kid, I totally didn't get. I, I distinctly remember at one point saying to my dad, "Why did Captain Kirk take his shoe off?" You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. Like, what's going on there? But that's what's happened here. She's suddenly in a tub, and he's washing up at the sink yeah and then debbie once again proves to be a source of wisdom and and she talks about someone she knew uh, like a teacher in her school who was kind of touching kids and she sort of talks about how kids assume the adult is right in whatever they do especially if it's an authority figure and these sorts of things may be way more common in school settings than he was aware of and it can't damage the kids you know, in ways, in insidious ways that aren't really evident until years later. Right. And then for, in the case that Debbie talks about, you know, it all kind of came out at a reunion when the principal or whatever, when this teacher was retired. And then, so now Holden starts to go off the reservation. Like he tracks down this local detective, right? Yeah, because the teacher, you know, basically says like, please check on it. So, right, so he, she, yeah, go ahead. He goes, go ahead. he goes right. So he goes to the local cop and he asks what happened with this. And the cop basically says, she's complaining. There's nothing to it. This guy's got no record. There's no crime to investigate. He's very dismissive. Most of what he says is logical, but his attitude is also clearly 
you know, he, he basically, he, he doesn't find her credible because she's the, the teacher who made the complaint. He doesn't find her credible because she's single. She's a single middle-aged woman. And he, <laughs> that, that basically, oh. right. So, you know, he, so clearly Holden starts to think, even though this, some of the guy's points were logical about there not being a crime and there's not a complainant, there's a, no victim, there's no crime. What is he going to investigate? Um, at the same time, he, he realizes that if there was a crime, you know, who knows if this guy really looked because this, his logic is clearly flawed and he's clearly prejudiced. Holden, you mean? In the detectives clearly. Oh, yeah. you know, Holden realizes the detectives clearly prejudiced. Well, and he's just not interested, you know, and he takes it. He, we cut back to Quantico and he, we cut to him talking about it with Bill and Bill is even less receptive. Bill Gates right. just says, that's not federal. That's not what we're doing. We have a lot of work. We're trying to expand the division and hire somebody. You're not looking at your candidates. Right. Uh, he, you're not he pulling your way. He's a grade school principal with no record is what Bill tells him. Right. And then they're getting right. people to join them in behavioral science, which I guess it's not even called yet or whatever. Um, yeah, and, and there's a lot of friction here between him and Bill. Like, Bill is pissed off at Holden. Holden is, gets kind of pissed at Bill. Bill's kind of right, though, because first of all, there isn't really a crime yet. And second of all, it's not even, it's not a federal issue. It, it's clearly something that um, Holden really, he's stretching to get to this. Well, you know, these episodes don't have titles, but you could call this episode Minority Report, right? Like, Holden's yeah. kind of like the the office of pre-crime. Like, he's trying to get somebody who hasn't done anything, right? He's trying to head him off at the past, but like, people in law enforcement, except for Holden, are kind of like, ah, you can't do that. Like, you can't, like, they haven't committed a crime, you know? Like, what are you going to do? Right. Plus, uh, right, and the guy has... You know, the guy's got no record. He, as a matter of fact, he, he has a great record as a principal. Right, right. Uh, standardized scores. Right. And, and, uh, and then making matters worse for Holden, uh, Bill says he ain't going back to see Brutus. <laughs> Bill's had enough with Brutus. I think the, the masturbation uh, event last time, I think, turned Bill off, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, and I think Bill needs a little break from interviewing serial killers. Yeah. And then uh, the interaction ends with, it ends pretty tense because Holden's mad. Like, Holden's mad. And and sort of only a, like a little bit of a joking way and mostly an antagonistic way, Holden says, I'll show him that one of us isn't a big fat fucking pussy is exactly what Bill, well, sorry, what Holden says to Bill. Right. They They interact in the sort of, the usual men locker room. It's really, you know, very appropriate and, and realistic. Um, and Wendy's 10 feet away. Right. But room here. Appropriately, she probably is more manly than the other two um, in some ways. And then we cut back to Brudos. Uh, right. And this is Holden Mano Amano with Brudos, so to speak. And Brudos. You know, he starts off the meeting well by fixing Holden's tape recorder for him. So again, you can kind of see like, not quite like Kemper, but he, there's, he's building a rapport with this guy. Right. And then he starts denying everything again. But, you know, he, something really interesting happens in this scene. I think this, is, this might be the best scene in the whole episode where, you know, 
when they talk about the actual crimes and what Brutus actually did, Brutus denies everything. But when Holden flips it over and and kind of says, like, well, hypothetically or an imaginary right. way, what do you think about this? And then when when they get into a terms of it being a hypothetical, Brutus really sings. Like all of a sudden he's telling everything he thought, all his motivations, everything. He answers every question just sort of in the third person. He's he's acting as if he's an expert uh, witness about a third party, and when and using that device and Holden quickly, Holden seems to have devised that on the spot, and he says he had an idea beforehand. So maybe he was thinking that he was going to do that earlier on. It may have been what he was thinking of, but he clearly finds his way using that technique. Um, right. And it, referring things to third person, he gets a lot out of Brutus that way. Brutus is very detailed. Right. Like he says, so the murders were just an extensions of thoughts, you know, the killer already had. And, you know, Brutus is like, well, maybe in, in real life, you know, he was out of control. Maybe his real life was out of control, but his fantasy life was, you know, blah, blah, very blah, controlled. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. So. And he gets him to admit his first sexual fantasy when he was like nine or 10 and it wasn't even sexual yet. His first fantasy about a woman, about her being his prisoner and, you know, in, in a, a, a tunnel that he was holding her in, like just very abnormal sort of fantasy. Um, and and there's, there's a real intimacy to, to that. Right. And, the, and the, the fantasy he has as a child is a woman trapped in a tunnel. Right. She's his prisoner. Yeah. Um, I th- I don't know the guy who plays Brutus does a really really good job. He's not he's not you know Kemper guy had more of a star turn, but you know and it was the first big one we saw. But this guy does a really good job as well. And he's you know he's supposed to be different than Kemper. Like he's he's got a different take on things. His crimes were different. He his motivations were different. Like he's a different you know person for holding the match wits with. He's not as forward. So it's it's. They're very different, but yeah, that's a very good scene. It's also Holden's only, you know, home run um, in the episode, you know, by far. The rest of the time, he's horribly striking out. So this is his only success that he has this episode, really. So we cut back to Quantico, where um, Wendy and Bill are interviewing yet another applicant to join them in behavioral science in the basement, and they really, really like this one guy who they think is just perfect for him until the, until the boss brings somebody in. Right. Who, who's like this, the son of his old buddy, <laughs> his roommate or something. Yeah. It's like classic <laughs> nepotism move. And he says, I hope you'll give him a fair shake. Wink, wink. <laughs> well, it's like that. See, there's a scene in the Simpsons where like Homer goes for a job at the plant and like there's two other guys and, um, um, Smithers walks out and he's like, "My two old Delta Tau buddies," and he does like the shake at home. That's right. <laughs> like he's not getting that job. Um, and this guy is exactly what they're not looking for. Yep he's he's not supposed to be particularly smart. He's not supposed to be particularly insightful. Like you get the sense he's not a standout agent at all like he says he says uh you know they, they call the guys call me the padre and they come to confession at his desk and it's right. so funny because when he's like doing his quote-unquote interview like 
they all all three of them realize that like they're stuck with this guy no matter what they say and like wendy is like curling her lip like she looks <laughs> so like put off by him and everything about him and holden doesn't even bother to sit at the table with him holden sitting at his desk 15 feet away he's so pissed off Holden makes a little attempt at sort of describing how horrifying it is. Like when Kemper says, you know, when he had sex with his mother's head, you know, and down her windpipe and, you know, he tries to just shock the guy out of the, out of the room basically, which fails. But when Wendy asks a couple, you know, insightful questions about the guy's um, ethical compass um, in the setting of religion, because he's, he's a religious guy. And, and he sees things. He sees things in a very black and white way, which is exactly what they don't want. Right. They they're trying to get away from simple right and wrong and try to get to root causes. Right. So this guy is a, such a step backward for them. And Wendy really sort of she peels back the the covers just to illustrate that. Um, and nonetheless, <laughs> there he is. He's hired. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, basically they show him, uh, Holden gives him something to transcribe, to listen to, uh, it's like a test run and the guy's sitting in a lecture hall and Holden gives him this just, they don't let you hear what the guy's hearing, but he looks ashen. His, his lip is quivering. Um, it's some kind of just atrocious, um, interview that they conducted at some point. And, uh, the guy is just miserable. And then uh, intersp- right before that scene, though, I think we do have to point it out because I spend so much time on it. Wendy yet again feeds the cat. Yeah. Right? Wendy brings another can of tuna down to the cat in her laundry room. So yep. I did a fair bit of reading about this. Like, no one's 100% sure what this cat thing means. Like, most people were kind of left scratching their head at, like, all this attention to the cat. And then the only thing I found is that um, Fincher, in one interview, basically said that he wants you to become attached to the cat so that when the cat doesn't show, you're supposed to wonder if there is a child who is hurting animals. Like, that's literally the meaning of the cat. Really? I'm telling you. I thought it was about Wendy, not about you and uh, the cat. No, I'm telling you, like, you're supposed to, like, wonder and worry about, you know, <laughs> that I think you're supposed to become attached to the cat so that there's trouble or like when the cat is, you know, anyway. I, know. I really thought it's about Wendy and it's about her, some desire to have some kind of domesticity. It's well, sort I of think it's lonely. Yeah. Or maybe to also show that she's not so cold. Right, that that she, yeah. you know, even even chilly Wendy, you know, like she goes out of her way to bring a can of tuna to the cat in the lawn that frequents her laundry room. Yeah, I mean, she she's at least she's a crazy cat lady. Nothing else. <laughs> so Holden, uh, Holden then goes back to the school on his own, all by himself, and he confronts the principal, who is fairly confident still at this point, but defensive. Right. Yeah, I mean, Holden it does not go well. Smith go, and they interview him, and yeah, it's it's kind of it starts off friendly, and Holden and Agent Smith aren't really, aren't really buying what the principal is 
telling him, right? And they think that there must be a sexual angle and he's good at hiding it and they, they're trying to figure out what to do. And then they end I mean, up talking to other teachers who kind of, um, some of whom think it's a big deal, some of whom don't. It really, you really get the sense now Holden's going down the rabbit hole. You know, now he, he with the pursuit with the, the teacher, it gets confusing, which is what's supposed to happen because he starts going to talk to people. He talks to the other teacher. Then he talks to that, those parents of the kid who got well, he, tickled. Right. Well, he talks to two more teachers, an older woman and a younger woman. And the older teacher says, it's not right. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. And then the younger teacher likes it a lot. She's like, Oh, when the kids come back from his office, they seem happy. So right. like they're getting kind of mixed messages and then they talk to the parents. Right, and the parents are somewhat mixed also. The father, not as worried, but they're still, they still, what the, the bottom line after their discussion is that they wanted to be able to have a say in the way someone interacts with their child and whether their child is touched physically or not. And when they basically went and, which is, a, a, it seems to me, to any viewer, is very a reasonable concern and a reasonable conclusion to what had transpired uh, is, is to, to be able to say, look, uh, I appreciate what you're saying, but I just prefer you didn't touch my, my child uh, physically. Right. And he, they went to him and he basically was extremely put off by that and said, you know, who are you to tell me I can't, you know, show my love to the children and that I can't um, touch them. You know, you can't tell me that, which, is strange, right? So it's mixed, but they're when they get to the point of when you sort of think something, there's a reasonable level of concern and appropriate response. He doesn't seem to take it, at least by hearsay, right? No, and and so they yeah, and when they're leaving, Smith, Agent Smith, and and Holden, you know, like they're talking about it in the car afterwards, and they're just you know, they're just not sure what to do. And then they decide like they're worried about Brutus and escalation and they decide, uh, they decide that they're going to confront him by saying we're the fucking FBI. Like right. that's what kind of like, if, if, if not us, then who that's kind of like what gets them over the, over the hoof. Oh, sorry. Over the, over the fence. And then they, right. They had elementary school and then they have a really, really difficult meeting with him where they say we're advising you to stop touching the children and we're here at the request of the superintendent right and now they're in sort of a full blown confrontation with him right and he does not he's not receptive at all he's not receptive to the suggestion that they can tell him what to do with the children. He's not receptive to the fact that he did anything wrong. He's not receptive to, you know, he, he basically says, who are you to say that um, you have nothing to do with this and get out. And again, it's not clear who's right. I mean, no. again, it's creepy that he's touching the kids, but you know, like Bill and the detective are like, ah, he's not breaking any laws and some of the teachers are okay with it. Like the messages are, you know, like there's no consensus on this thing. It's all over the map. And Holden is doing this on his own, right? This is not yep. sanctioned. Yep. 
right? And he and he's you know clearly holding himself out as I am speaking for the FBI. Um, we then see Debbie again, another bad interaction with Debbie, where she has work to do and doesn't really want to hang out with him. And to be totally honest, you know, Debbie's a little bit in the wrong here. Like, like she's kind of a jerk to him. I know she has homework to do, but she's kind of a jerk to him. And honestly, she was kind of wrong to take that ride from Patrick, maybe without telling him. I don't know. Like, you could see Holden's point here. Yeah, but on the other hand, she tells him, like, I have, this is due and I have to do it. You know, like, I have to do this. This this has to get done. It's not unreasonable. Yeah, but she's she's cold to him and she makes fun of his clothing. She always does, though. Yeah, but you could tell, like, it's not going over so well tonight. <laughs> um, uh, uh, then it comes back to Patrick, right? They start talking about this guy and they're going to do some experiment where they're all going to be in the dark to see how not being able to see each other affects the interaction. And so he realizes as the scene ends that Patrick has not gone from the scene. Uh, his girlfriend is still having some sort of interaction with this guy and she's kind of being a little tight lipped about it. Like he has to kind of pry it out of her a little bit. Right. And and again, you're not really sure if it's his concern is um, warranted or not. Right. And again, I don't think Holden's an angel here. Like she says, I have work to do. And he sticks around and kind of like starts talking about work stuff with her when he was, she's clearly other stuff to do, but she's not an innocent in this either. Like, like their relationship, like the cracks are starting to appear. They're not getting along so well. Like the bloom is off the rose, shall we say. Right. And then uh, we go straight from that to uh, Holden's second time being on the carpet with Shepard. Mm-hmm. So he hears about, uh, well, it's Agent Smith, the guy they just hired who actually rats him right, out. Who's the narc, right? Yeah. Which is exactly yeah. what they expected or were worried about. And what's also funny is it was basically Agent Smith who, not that you know, Holden agreed to do this, but Agent Smith said, we're the FBI. Why don't you just go back and tell them? Right. You know, don't touch the kids and Holden Holden thinks, Hey, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> and so, so far agent Smith has first has prodded him into going back and directly confronting the guy, which he hadn't done to that point. And then rats him out when he sees the boss and the boss says, what are you, what are you get? What are you working on? How's it going down there in behavioral uh, science? And he says, well, <laughs> we're just harassing this principal who likes to tickle children's feet. And, you know, and Shepard, you know, to bring it back to uh, Minority Report, you know, like Shepard says to him directly, like, you're telling me you can predict if someone might commit a crime, you know, and like, you know, Holden's stuck, right? Yeah. Holden's stuck because he knows he doesn't really have an answer for that. And he heads back down to the basement and acknowledges, you know, to Wendy and Bill that he got his ass chewed out. And they're not so supportive. Well, he does kind of deserve it. I mean, Shepard, you know, every time somebody says something to him that's critical about this, um, his, this latest, quote, case with the principal, they all make good points. I mean, it's not like, it's not like um, they're arguing for him just to leave it alone for no reason. Or, you know, it's, it's clearly, it's very gray. Um, and, and Holden's motivation is... 
just he, he says i'm going by instinct and just something about this it raises people's hackles and it's strange and, and, and holden may be right like i think we got to give holden a little benefit of the doubt here like he might actually be right he could be right it's it's such a it, but it's such a stretch and it's so little to go on you know where is the you, it's such a big gray area where are you going where's where's it going you know you don't know which what the truth is and and so in that gray zone he's floundering um and, and he gets and he's out. losing support right and he doesn't really um, have much i don't right. think right you know wendy and bill aren't with him he can't count on agent smith like this whole thing is on him agent smith you know gets him in trouble <laughs> twice i mean you know twofold so so then uh and then at the right, at the end of his terrible day he goes to wendy's school <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh oh <laughs> now talk about gray area yeah this really is, this is not worse. so gray so so they're right he goes and they're in the dark and right they're doing the psychology experiment Right, he goes and he's there for like two minutes and then basically like somebody opens the door and this shaft of light comes in and illuminates the room and Wendy is very close to Patrick, her uh, study buddy. Um, He's basically like... (laughs) Possibly some other kind of buddy. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly like... They're basically like touching... Yeah, it's a very intimate pose. It's a pretty guilty looking moment. And then, and, and poor Holden just right in front of him. The light is just cast directly on this. You know, it's like somebody turned on a spotlight on them. Um, and, and he just, they, you know, they lock eyes, Wendy and Holden lock eyes, not Wendy, sorry. Um, um, Wendy and Debbie. Uh, sorry, Debbie, Holden and Debbie, Holden right. And Debbie's Debbie. girlfriend, right. <laughs> Debbie and Holden Lock eyes, and he basically just storms out. And right, and then the implication in their in their look is he's he says to her without a word, "I was right." Like you, you're lying. Like something yeah, is going is... on here, and I've I've just caught you. Right, like I don't know if they're having sex, but like this is not just a, a clinical experiment. Like he's, I think, appropriately he's, jealous. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, he storms out and. She chases after him, but he's gone. Yeah, he he leaves, and the next morning, <laughs> he shows up early at the office. Uh, and clearly, a, and there's a series of shots of him alone after that, like to sort of I think highlight his isolation. Like he's alone in his car, he walks into the building alone. And there's this like three or four shots of him walking corridors that have no other people in them. Like he's just all by himself. Yeah, it's very early in the morning, um, and then he gets and- a call. Uh, from the school board, the superintendent of the school, uh, right. who's basically the principal's boss, and says the school board's meeting, and they're sort of leaning towards firing the principal. And what does he think? And he's sort of there. He says, you know, they're asking him, does he think that anything was there any wrongdoing? Essentially, do they think that there's a risk that he could hurt a kid in the future or could abuse someone? And Holden says. First, he says, you know, I can't really say officially anything. And so the guy says, yeah, yeah, I understand officially, but, you know, do you think this could happen? Could it escalate? And Holden says, I can't say, I can't see, I can't say that it would not happen, that it wouldn't escalate. And, you know, that's a, 
it's it's a it's a roundabout way of saying that he's suspicious of the guy, and so they say, well, so the superintendent tells him the phone. Well, then I, you know, we're gonna thanks, I appreciate that, and I, you know, we'll just we better be cautious then, and we're gonna fire the guy, and then the, the that's that's it. The episode ends right there. It's a very very good ending. Right, uh, and, Hold, and Holden is sort of sitting there, like stunned about what he's done. Yeah, he's a little stunned because he's not sure that he worded that well either, and he's not sure. He's not confident in his own assessment appropriately, but he's also pissed, you know, and he's, he's now, he's, he's pissed about Debbie and he's had a confrontation with this guy and you wonder if just a little bit, he just wants to win, you know, like maybe Holden's not at his best today. Like his motives aren't the best. His behavior is not the best. Like he's really doing something that's not particularly nice. He's not, and I'm not sure how much of it is him being devious and how much of it is him being imprecise or, you know, not, not sort of diving into the subtleties of their conversation, which is very loaded with unsaid um, meaning, you know, in a non-explicit um, information between the lines in that conversation with the superintendent on the telephone. And um, Holden is... You know, you're pretty sure when, when he hangs up that Holden, he was not maybe the sole reason that the guy's going to get fired. And this guy who you're not sure if he actually is just a really brilliant guy who's ahead of his time as an educator or he's a pedophile um, or both. Um, and Holden certainly has a role in getting him axed. I mean, you're not sure if, if Holden is the major reason. He may not be, but he's, he's responsible to an extent for that. And Holden realizes it. Yeah. And, and again, you know, like on, on some level, I think Holden is right to be worried about this guy. Like, you know, you wouldn't want your kids to be touched by their their principal in this way. But again, you know, this is not the same thing as I think the episode is trying to point out, like it's not the same thing as you know, being caught building a bomb, right? Because the bomb only has one possible use, right? This is a gray zone, right? Yeah. It's, but it's, Holden is able to arouse enough concern that he gets the guy booted. It's it's clearly, a, it's messy and you're not sure. And it very effectively lays out a gray area and also illustrates the power that, in certain circumstances, the power that, you know, a federal agent... Like, can have even interfering in an area where they really technically have zero jurisdiction. Right, we're the fucking FBI. Right. And uh, so, you know, that that he and Agent Smith again sort of is right in the end. You know, by the way, um the these blackout experiments were real. So they were done in the 70s. Um, it was called deviance in the dark was sort of what they were collectively called. And it was typically four men and four women in a pitch black room being recorded to see, um, to see how people would respond when they were alone in real life. Apparently it was Ken Gergen and Mary Gergen uh, at Swarthmore in Pennsylvania, where this really happened, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, and they were handpicked from answering a questionnaire in real life. It's kind of cool. <clears throat> um, what was I going to say? Yeah, uh, you know, like it's it's an interesting episode because after some episodes where they've had some real wins, it's just sort of a series of losses for Holden. And in the end, like Holden wins a victory, but 
it's kind of like a hollow win for him. Like well, he's accomplished sure. his goal, but he got burned for it. And not a lot of people agree that he's doing the right thing. Even he doesn't even agree. I mean, he's not sure. He's a little shocked at, right at the very last minute. I, I don't think he knows what the right answer is. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, they, they purposely made the principal not creepy, like a normal looking guy. And they gave him a justification or at least a rationalization for his behavior. And they showed people that supported him. Like they purposely made it not so clear, right? Sure. You know, like, like, is he, you know, is he like a pedophile with a foot fetish, right? That's the big worry in the episode. Is right. he a pedophile with a foot fetish? And is this, is this, he's building up to something like Brutus built up to something, right? Or Kepper right. built up to something. Is he building up to one day really, really hurting someone? Or is, or does he really think he's being innocent and this is as far as he goes? And he's been doing it for years. Right. And statistically, he's more like, it's more likely that he's innocent. It's just that the downside to being wrong is so high, right? When terrible. you're talking about elementary school kids. And I don't even know if, I don't know if statistically he's so likely to be innocent or not, but I don't know. I don't um, know. It's a good episode though. Like it's a good episode and it it's, it's nothing but friction from start to finish. Like, you know, Bill and Wendy, sorry, Holden and, uh, Holden and Wendy friction, Holden and Bill friction, Holden and Smith friction, Holden and Shepard, right? I mean, the person he gets along with best in the entire episode is Brutus. Brutus and Agent Smith, ironically. Well, no, yeah, but I mean, by the end of the episode, he's, he soured on Smith because he ratted him out, you know? He was like, yeah. a, he was the narc. Right. No, it's, um, it's Holden has a boy. It's a tough one for Holden. I mean, aside from his his uh, insight with Brutus and his ability to get Brutus to open up, um, that's the only bright spot for him. The rest of the time, he really he is floundering. Right, but just to add insult to injury, no one's there to see right the good interaction yeah. he has with Brutus. Like he really pulls off a great interview and gets Brutus to give him a lot of valuable information. And you know, the tape is there, but you know, he would have rather. Bill was there to see it. Yeah. I mean, Wendy will hear it, you know, but. And Bill will read the transcript. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely a good episode. You know, like we're, we're approaching the end of season one now, right? Like the, how many episodes in season one? Uh, 10. Yeah. Right? 10 episodes in season one, nine in season two. Like, you know, we're approaching uh, the end of season one and like the show is it's not quite it's not really building to a crescendo but like it's getting more complicated and intense each time and and they've had some earlier episodes to kind of show that like Bill and Holden are getting along well and they've kind of have some understanding and then this episode they don't get along at all like they kind of back away from that a little bit right you yeah. know an episode or two ago Holden was sitting on the floor of Bill's living room trying to play with his son yeah. Right. And now Bill is, you know, he wants nothing to do with the next trip to see Brutus and he disagrees with Holden about the entire principal issue. Yeah. So I don't know. It's good. Like it's a daring choice, you know, like, like they're doubling back on themselves and a lot of shows wouldn't do that because it does confuse the audience a little bit. Like the characters aren't behaving the way you think that they would or should based on your, what you know about them already. Yeah. Uh, not a fun episode, but an interesting one. I think. I think that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, it's it's 
really a, a contrast to their sort of first taste of success, even though that was tarnished, I guess, because the the DA in Pennsylvania kind of backed off a little bit, but they, they at least were able to use their newfound understanding to explain something. And this time, you know, right when Holden's thinks that he's going to, he's learned something and it's something that's usable. He, he gets mired in a, in an instance where he realizes how much, how uncertain it is and how, how uh, unable he is really to draw definite conclusions in a, in a muddy situation. Um, and that he, he doesn't have all the answers and, and that even what he's learned so far may not, may not help. Um, so, so he's sort of back to being in the weeds in some ways. Right. And, and his relationship with Debbie is at best on the skids now. Oh yeah. Right. He's, he's really unsure of what to do. Like he's given Debbie the kind of benefit of the doubt and she turned out not to merit it. Right. Right. And he's very reactionary when he sees her there. And honestly, I think most people would be. Oh, I, that was, yeah. I mean, totally right. Some people would have walked over and punched Patrick in the face. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it was a pretty, uh, pretty guilty uh, moment there. So I, I don't, you know, you can't fault him for storming out. Yeah. Um, you feel, you feel for him that moment. Um, but uh, I mean, we'll see what happens next episode. Yeah. Um, you want to say the email address? You can reach out to us. Maybe, can I, let me see if I can get it. Wait, is it? Is it, I get, uh, this might be my first time. Is it mindhunter.companion at gmail.com? You are correct. What? You remembered the dot. <laughs> I know. I, I knew there was something there I was going to get. I was going to forget. Yeah. Mindhunter.companion at gmail.com. Give us uh, a shout out for uh, comments or uh, kudos or complaints. Um, and um, give us, uh, give us uh, five star reviews over at iTunes. We always love that. Uh, coming up next, we'll do uh, Season 1, Episode 9. Sound good? Yep. I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks. <laughs>